Trapping Inc., the Scuttlebutt Podcast. <laughs> I don't know. That's a voice. <laughs> I need to throw a little reverb on it or something in the edit suite, huh? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Scuttlebutt, what a great word. Yeah, it is a great word. What's it mean? Webster defines it as gossip and or rumor. And it's not that we're going to be gossiping or rumoring about Trapping Inc., but more we're using it to refer to the backstory or the inside scoop or just anything we want to talk about. Yeah, I think I think I like the idea of it being kind of the inside scoop, what's going on behind the scenes on the Trapping Inc. TV show. Well, you know, as good as Trapping Inc. is for showing trapping and showing our life there, we have a whole lot of life outside of it. Uh, I'm Rich Mellon, and I'm 59. Uh, you are... Sandy Mellon, and I'm not telling you how old I am. <laughs> well, you keep telling me you're 29, but oh, you're ce- well. celebrating another anniversary of your 29th well, birthday. Well, I think probably I've, I've worked up to 39 now. But here's the deal. We've been together 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. That seems a little unreal. Uh, it's been a lot of laughing, a lot of uh, hard work. Yeah. A lot of adventure, but I wouldn't change a second of it. No. And along the road, we brought up three children who are now grown, married, have families and businesses of their own. And um, we're soon going to have our seventh grandbaby. I know. I know. Grandchildren are a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. Absolutely. Mostly because they go home. You know what I really like about grandkids? Because they listen to you like you're like you're God. Like Ooh. you're handing down the gospel. Where our kids now are old enough that they look at you and they think, well, they know better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's always great then to be able to show them, you know, trapping and hunting and fishing and that kind of stuff because they're listening to you, right? Yeah, they are. And their um, children are mimics. They wanna they wanna do what's important to them and often grandparents play a big role in their lives and they kinda wanna be like grandpa. Exactly. And grandma. Exactly. We live in northern Alberta. We do. And uh, in Canada, and for our folks uh, south of the border or back east or wherever, if you look at a map of Alberta, if you can find Calgary, and if you can go 12 hours north, that's where... By our, vehicle. Yeah, but that's where, that's where our, our trap line is. Not by dog sled. Nope. <laughs> Although, dog sleds might be worth your investment in the winter <laughs> Some, times up sometimes here. Sometimes it's tough traveling, no question, yep. but yeah. Yeah, 12 hours north is 75 miles an hour. That's that's where we live. <laughs> so, um, why the trapping show? Maybe for people who don't know who we are. Well, we were in uh, a TV show for, for many years. In 1999, we started, along with a partner, a hunting show. And uh, I don't know, I guess, what, now, five years ago or so, I got really interested in getting into trapping. And mostly it was because for a couple of years, I, uh, a show had been very popular on TV, and it was um, Swamp People. And I realized that it's a reality, with quotation marks, reality show, and the fact that must most of what's being showed on TV there is, is reenacted and, and forced drama and that. But the fact of the matter was is that they were alluding to, even if it wasn't real, that they were gut-hooking gators and then jerking them around on, on fishing line and then eventually shooting them in the head. And I thought, you know what? If that can be popular on TV, trapping is really, really normal compared to that. And uh, we have no problems being on TV. So 
Trapping Ink was born. And from the beginning, everybody was, it's far too controversial to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, controversy seems to be something that people are really worried about these days, just in, in the world of social media and instant fame, whether you it's good fame or not good fame. And I, I think a lot of people can be pushed to the sidelines if their view or, or if their activity isn't part of the mainstream conversation. And often trappers aren't part of the mainstream oh, conversation. Absolutely. Uh, trappers have, have become uh, almost indentured to become hidden to yeah. try and keep out of, out of eyesight. But today's world, today's digital world, everybody has a voice for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a voice. At one time, the only voice that was heard was people who had money. You had to be able to convince a very large media company or whatever that, that you had a, a uh, message worth hearing. And so that was never the trappers. It was no. al- There was always much more money on the anti-side. There was always much more ability to, to create, you know, the havoc, the, the lies and spread the, the untruths that they do about, about trapping. And they got all of the press. But yeah. today... Today, anybody has a voice, as I said, and I really thought it was very much time for the trapper side to be heard. Well, we have a lot of, we've got to know a lot of trappers, and some of them are older people who shrink away from any controversy. They don't want to call attention to themselves. They just want to be alone um, with their with their craft and a lot of times most of the time in fact that is out in the bush where you don't have a lot of these old timers I mean we've got cell phone towers and access to information all the time but for years and years these folks that are in their 70s 80s and some in their 90s still that's just not a reality that they were that they had any part of when when they were in their heyday of trapping. Well, and it wasn't always that they didn't want people to know what they were doing, but as they got older, their their tolerance for BS dropped huge, and they just pushed away. And I can understand that. Yeah, I, I, I truly can. I mean, we we lead with our chin all the time. Well, and, you lead with your chin. Well, I stand behind you. <laughs> Way behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps when I started this, I, w- I was going looking for a fight. I, I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, certainly when when we when we floated the idea to some of our advertising sponsors for the TV show, they were a little reluctant to leap in. But it, you know, that first year was incredible for what we learned about who watched the show that was that that was the unique part uh, we we became immensely popular we're the number one show on the uh, wild tv channel that we broadcast on here in canada and we're, we're, we're the number one i mean that and that competition is in any hunting show you want to name uh, any fishing show you want to name is on wild tv we're we have a higher uh, rating and better audience that, than any of those do. Yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. Something that, uh, you know, a lot of these people have giant production companies and we're very, very small. We are. We're, we're very small, but it's just the fact that I guess fancy photography or graphics or that can never replace um, the quality of, of the uh, video, or the, what, what you're showing, you know, the, well, the, the subject matter. The real story, yeah. really. I yeah. mean, who knew real could be so popular? 
Well, it was used to be when I, you know, thirty some years ago when I when I was first started writing uh, for magazines and that, and they they say fantastic photos can sell a, a terrible article, but no photos will will, will certainly sink a great article, mm-hmm. and it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. We have the content. And that, that, that people want. So it's fascinating that way. We quickly blew up. We blew up so fast. We were, we were not used to it. Our, uh, our Facebook pages and our, and our emails and everything just lights up on fire all the time. How some of these people get my, my cell phone, I have no idea, but I get texts all the time. And it was overwhelming after all those years with the hunting show. I mean, I was used to a certain amount of, of that volume, but nothing like this. No. Nothing at all. And overwhelmingly positive. Absolutely positive. One thing I'm going to say right here, and a lot of people may disagree with me. I don't really care because it's got me this far. <laughs> I don't argue with Andy's. If they show up on a Facebook page or, or, or if they show up... Uh, they send an email or if they show whatever. up in person I just sometimes. get rid of them. I just yeah. get rid of them. And the well, reason- we don't get rid of them in person. Well, then none of them have ever showed up in person. <laughs> <laughs> none of them have. No, that's true. Uh, so, I... I why would I argue with somebody on my Facebook page uh, about the the values or the morality of trapping? I'm giving him a voice. I'm allowing him to preach from my pulpit. Not a chance. People that are open to for discussion uh, are dandies. You know. No. I mean the old. Well, rule- that's kind of the, yeah. So I think that's probably where you were going. Is the old rule of. Ten percent. Yes, ten percent of us trap or agree with trapping. Ten percent are anti and against it. So it's the hearts and minds of the other eighty percent that we fight for. And very interestingly, that eighty percent number represents most of most of the people who watch our TV show. Eighty percent are not trappers. And exactly. Have, um, they might have had some connection to trapping in the past, but they they don't trap now. Well, we got so popular so quickly that we were invited to do seminars at many, many sportsman shows and that, and that kind of stuff. We showed up for one in Vancouver. And before we got there, we were kind of worried because Vancouver, in Canada, Vancouver is the center of of the anti for movement. There's probably more antis there than, than anywhere else. So we reviewed all of our media training, our media training on how to deal with, uh, with conflict in public and how to bring it back to the message and all that stuff. And we were, we were concerned. We, we, uh, were on top of our game when we got there, but after the first day we talked with so many people, um, my lips were tired. I, I had talked for, for so long and, uh, we, the, the next day, I, I said to Sandy, I says, you know, we, there's just no possible way that these people are all trappers. So we started asking each person, are you a trapper? And that's where we come up with this 80% number because overwhelmingly, they weren't trappers. Yeah. But they were interested in the life or grandpa was a trapper or they, you know, we were taught in, in grade yeah, school at exactly. grade three that trapping opened Canada. Camp Canada was created because of trapping. And then you hear the saddest comment ever, right? Yeah. They look at you and they say, I didn't know trapping was still legal. Yeah. And that is because it's been pushed to the sidelines so much over the course of the last several decades. You know, I mean, it just isn't something that you might learn in grade school or even high school. If you're talking about social studies or something like that, every now and then it will come up. But for the most part, it's out of people's minds. It's not 
part of an everyday conversation. So that's part of what Trapping Inc. has done is to bring it more towards um, a general conversation. Well, what I like about it best is that most times when you're when you're busy. Uh, Especially if you're trying to monetize, if you're trying, to, if you're trying to uh, develop sponsorship, you know they're always worried about your demographics. Well, I really like that our demographic for the trapping show isn't just trappers. No, because the other thing is that the, the overwhelming reason we got into this was to spread the word, yeah. to educate, and the fact that we're not preaching to the choir. Yeah, when eighty percent so- of our, of our fans aren't in the trappers choir. Well, not only that, but it isn't like they're just they just saw it once and geez, that was kind of interesting. All these people have got it set up on their uh on the recording device, whatever that might yeah. be, right? Yeah. And it's really kind of interesting. Oh yeah, I got it all set up. I'm ready for all the new episodes and when are they coming and when are they going to be up on YouTube and all those kinds of things. So it's really interesting how people have really embraced the whole idea of trapping. Well, and you know, trapping is so very relevant. I mean, there's the, the telling the truth about whether or not, you know, animals are skinned alive. The, 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 there's those realities. But the other reality, realities are is that trapping is necessary. Trapping is an incredible conservation tool. You take here in the province of Alberta, we have, on average, we ship 40,000 coyotes a year to uh, to the fur markets. To and the you auctions. still see coyotes, so and it's not like they're being eradicated from the no, landscape. No, there's still tons and tons of, the, tons of them. But can you imagine the cost involved if those trappers weren't doing it for free? Well, we kind of know what costs could be involved. Just when you look over to the Netherlands and what it costs them to control the tiny muskrat. That's right. Muskrat were introduced there, and and uh, they weren't weren't native. Now, when your country depends on dikes to keep it above the water, uh, a burrowing animal like a muskrat's a bad deal. They pay trappers to kill four hundred thousand muskrats a year, and then because of the European attitude with fur, they incinerate them all. I don't know in whose mind that makes sense that you would kill all these animals and then destroy them. I mean, at least couldn't you put them some use? Uh, of course, as- I don't think you really want that with the price of muskrats right now. <laughs> you put- I don't need another 400000 on the market. No, no. no. But muskrats is, is one of the one of the fur bears that we have on our on our line. And and uh, you talk about economics of trapping. It's not always there in the wild fur market. Right? Well, probably the, the, the most... Um, uh, most of the money in trapping is probably for right now is for, for coyotes and for, uh, for muskrat. And that's usually the residential trappers. So in Alberta and in most of the provinces in Canada, you have both um, residential license, which anybody can hold, and they're allowed to trap on land that they have permission on. In Alberta, that permission has to be in writing. Okay, so that is where the vast majority of coyotes and muskrats come from. You have all those prey potholes, all those uh, boreal forest potholes that have the muskrats in them, and all the coyotes that are in the farmland. Uh, It's funny because uh, we have also a registered trap line. Okay, so we both have both a residential license and we have a registered license. Now, the registered license is our registered trap line, and that's where we go for Martin and Fisher links, that kind of thing. Ours, registered trap lines are bought and sold, and they give the owner exclusive rights to that area. Our trap line is four townships. 
okay. which is 12 miles by 12 miles. Um, I think it's only the only one, or maybe there's one other that is perfectly square in the province. That's good for me. I'm dumb, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get I don't Anyway, get lost. it's 144 square miles of what's referred to in in Canada is crown land or public land. Yeah. And uh, it is public land. Anybody can snowmobile there or quad there or hunt there, but they can't trap there. We're the only ones that can trap there. That's right. I, I, I'm the senior on the line and you and one of our sons are juniors. And so the, only the three of us can actually... There can only be one senior exactly. on the line. That's just, yeah. the, that's just the, who's ever the, the name the, uh, uh, the line is in. And that makes, that makes me the senior. So when you have... Now, this is all public land, so that means there's no, uh, there's no farming. Right, so uh, public land in in northern Alberta is all bush. In the big bush, we have wolves, and wolves and coyotes don't get along. Uh, here, wolves eat coyotes, and if we, you know, you do have some coyotes in the big bush, but very few and far between. And if they actually end up on one, on one of our wolf baits and they get, and they they get uh, caught, the wolves eat them. Just about invariably, we we maybe get. 10% of them that we get to even look at, let alone skin, because the wolves eat them. So that's why the vast majority of these coyotes are coming out of the farmland where there aren't wolves. Right. But the, the the wolves the wolves make sure that the the coyotes don't uh, don't make it good in the in the public land. So that's the the two types of, of trap lines in Alberta. That's where we are, and how big our line is. And even though that it's only 12 miles by 12 miles, we've got about between 180 and 200 miles of line, which is trails. Um, we don't trap the entire trap line every year. We rotate through because that's the number one uh, rule that a trapper has to go through is, is that he's a conservationist. And I mean, I want to maintain, if I'm used to getting 40 Martin every year, I want to make sure I get 40 Martin every year. You need to be able to predict a little bit and you need to, uh, one of the truths of, of um, management of, of fur and that is that the more you trap it the more you manage it the better your your populations are well you can't put things on a shelf as much as uh, some of these folks from PETA would like to believe that's not true you you can't expect a population to to thrive if they aren't controlled no, I mean, lots of times I, we, we hear from trappers all over the place and, and they, they come to you and they say, you know, geez, Rich, I just got this trap line and it hasn't been trapped in 20 years. And there's just so much on it. Well, yes and no. One of your, your probably your predators are your apex predators are going to be out of out of balance. And two, when you take a look at the, the generational uh, span of, of a Martin, average Martin lives three years. So if it hasn't been in tra trapped in that many years, there's many generations that have come and gone that weren't, weren't utilized whatsoever. On our trap line, uh, we had a huge number of fisher on it. And once we got the fisher under control, now our martin numbers have shot up. Yeah. You know, we had it, the, the line that we've we currently got uh, in the first four years, we never got a, an immature lynx. They were all big animals. They were all mature. And now... We're getting immature lynx, which means that what was going on before, now people think, well, that's bad. No, it's good because what was going on before is the kittens were all getting ate. Mm -hmm. The adults were eating the kittens. And when you don't have any young around, that's that's what's going on. Now now the adults have been cut down enough so that the, 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 the kittens are getting a chance at it. And we've had an explosion out there. Yeah, we sure have. 
Uh, we had a very busy trapping season this last, and it was a, a brutal winter for snow and cold. Um, and then along came spring, kind of arrived in inside of a week. Well, yeah, you <laughs> you have a um, another job. Of course, we both have other jobs. Uh, as our accountant says, our uh, revenue stream is complex. <laughs> certainly is. <laughs> yeah. So you had to go to Toronto. And when you left to go to Toronto for a week, uh, we had three foot of snowpack still here. You came back six days later and you couldn't find snow. And our, we had a couple feet of water over our road. The first time ever in our time living here that, that we flooded, our road is flooded. Yeah. And we live out in the country. So we're responsible for our own everything. So what's your day job? Oh, I'm a VP for um, a bank in Canada, and I deal with commercial clients, so businesses. And I have a huge territory that I cover up in northeastern BC and northwestern Alberta. I'm on the road a lot um, just to, to cover the area that we're in, but I often have to travel to Calgary, Edmonton, and occasionally to Toronto for business. So... That means that Rich has to hold down the fort here with the three dogs. Yeah, and I was holding down the fort while you were gone to Toronto because I think the last day I filmed on the line was uh, April 28th. And then it just, everything, the bottom fell out of everything, but we had huge amount of snow up to the, up to that point. And it, uh, it all of a sudden became difficult to get around because it, we, the snow was so deep and you, you, you couldn't walk in it. Because all of a sudden you thought you were walking on the on the bottom when you were wading around up to your waist. Well, now you discovered that the snow was actually up to your neck because <laughs> it became just, it got so warm so fast, it just became bottomless. But as busy as our trapping season is, and, it, and our trapping season pretty much starts October-ish, um, although our long fur, nothing really opens until November and then December. But we have a lot of things that we have to get set up, make sure that our lines are clear and things like that before we, we go out. But we had a busy we had a busy, cold, snowy winter. Along came spring. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and since then we have been incredibly busy. Well my other day job is I'm a home builder. And because of uh, the economic realities of, of the uh, drop in oil prices, Alberta is very much an oil province but combined with the drop in uh, the value of oil and gas was uh, a liberal government which is very anti-resource in the in their federal government and then a socialist government in the in the province um so it has really kicked the heck out of out of our economy and i wasn't building anything this year for sale so our youngest our oldest boy took advantage of that and i'm building a home for him down by red deer alberta (laughs) and that means Red Deer, Alberta is uh, six hours of driving between where we live and where they are. And that's also at 75 miles an hour. So, you know, it it's not a trip that Richard makes every day um, or even every week for that matter. Normally you're down there for at least two weeks at a time. Yeah, it's and it's tough being away from from the office and and all the today's communication is so fast and we we come to expect it uh you know to not be able to take care of something until i get home a week later it just seems like the end of the world and heck we used to mail you know it take that long for a letter to get edmonton and back yeah, you know what exactly. i mean exactly but you know while you're gone doing that i'm 
holding down the fort. Like I said, we live out of town and we have a nice big yard and this year a garden for the first time in about 38 years. <laughs> well, sometime we'll talk about why you were adverse to gardens. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a story. It takes a lot of time to tell. Anyway, that's been the, the building of the house for Matt and Tiffany has been the primary thing that's been going on this summer. And then um, we have something in Alberta called the Alberta Trappers Association. And every year, the Alberta Trappers Association puts on a rendezvous, which is really a great big party for trappers. And uh, it's been really wildly successful. Year after year, there seems to be record crowds and so on. But they move it around the province, which is kind of nice because it's not always in one area. Um, It spreads out. And the the interesting thing that it does is not just trappers that end up attending it's a lot of town folk from wherever it is that we happen to be in that way it, it, it's really good too because it keeps spreading the word right exactly we come across once again very normal yeah. i think people walk through the door thinking that we're all bloodthirsty savages and, and that, <laughs> that none of that's true well maybe you are but i'm certainly not <laughs> i think the great part of it is though is that you know People can come and see what trapping's all about if they don't know anything about it. And as you say, you they get into a crowd of people and it's amazing the commonalities, even between trapper and non-trapper, kind of like what we talked about before with the, the big umbrella of people who enjoy the outdoors. Yes. You know, some of a small percentage of those are trappers, but trappers connect to the to the bigger, broader world of outdoor enthusiasts. Well, and this is everything trapping. So there's a uh, there's a trade show there. There's people selling uh, you know fur products or products for trapping, and uh, there are seminars that show proper skinning and fur handling. There. Uh, are things for kids to do, which is really neat when they, they sit yeah. down <laughs> they sit well, they down 30 kids and teach them how to, how to skin muskrats. You yeah, know? or build a rope. <laughs> yeah. like there's a rope yeah. building. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And then and the you other have thing all these, that, little, all these little kids running around and they've all got a knife on their they've belt all got and it's a pocket sharp. Knife. Yeah. yeah. And where else do you see that kind of stuff? Yeah. This is kind of crazy, right? But the other thing that goes on there, and, and I don't know whether this is unique to the Alberta Trappers Association or if others do it, I'd love to hear but they they have an ultimate trapper competition and that involves lots of different things it's um one point they 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 strap on a pair of snowshoes and make a hundred yard run down a down the uh football field and in another place they're they're setting traps for you know the perfect dirt hole for coyote or or uh, a trail set for lynx that kind of stuff uh they they have uh different i forget how many different parts of the competition five or six. Oh, there's fire building right That's they right. have to boil, boil a, a can of fire or a can of fire a can <laughs> of water um but they have they only get so many matches yeah um and they have to build this fire and then they have to they have a like a a can a empty can of beans that's filled with water and they have to boil that the first one to boil that gets however many points and then the last well not the last but two of the really important uh, aspects of this are the skinning the right? speed skinning yeah, there's, the there's speed one skinning. for beaver right and there's one for coyote now it wasn't that many years ago like these guys are really taking this serious because it wasn't that many years ago that 
the fastest coyote, the coyote that won, was done in six minutes. Yeah. Uh, and that would maybe have been, what, six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, this year, we had a guy do it two minutes flat, and he came in second. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend of ours actually won the competition at one minute, 51 seconds. Yes, Justin Wasasu. Can you believe that? One wow. minute, 51 seconds for skinning a coyote. That it just doesn't, and boy, it's exciting. You know, you, you talk about things that get people going and you wouldn't think that skinning an animal would be one of them, but boy, the crowd is right into it. Well, we did something else there that was kind of cool because uh, some friends of ours are furriers. Yes, Sisson Furs from Red Deer. Sisson Furs from Red Deer. And we have been collecting beaver. And I, I only, I know everybody's going to laugh. Every beaver joke under the sun. I've told a good one too. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he, here's the best. Cause I, I only like to January, February beaver, the under the ice beaver, the best beaver going. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took in and skimmed the best out of our, our catches for the last few years. And we took 21 of them and we had them not only tanned, but plucked and sheared. Yeah. I know. Insert laugh track here. Plucked and sheared beaver. Yeah. <laughs> The thing you got to understand, though, is the, those skins, and we'll have to we'll have to put some picture, a little video up on the on the Facebook page to show people. But the uh, they are so luxurious. Oh, it is one thing to run your fingers through a winter beaver, but their guard hairs on them are quite long, you know, three inches maybe, and they're pretty stiff and bristly. But when they are plucked and sheared, those guard hairs are gone, and even the under uh, under fur, that thick, beautiful gray under fur, is is sheared. That's the shearing part, and it is like half inch thick velvet. It is the softest that that you'll ever run your fingers through. And and instead of being um, out west here, all our beaver are reddish brown. There's we have very few black colored beaver, and out east most of them are black. While this under fur is all this this beautiful like a dove gray, you know, just, you even, you even want your voice to go soft when you talk about the color. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're doing with these beaver hides that we've gotten done is um, we're working with Lyle and Carrie Lou and Lyle is the craftsman. He's the guy who really has a vision of what to do with fur. So we, Gave all those 21 hides to Lyle, and he's going to get them prepared and uh, get an idea of what sort of pattern he wants to put together. But the ultimate goal is to build a comforter for our king-size bed with these 21. So we're really, really looking forward to what happens out of all this. And it will be part of one of the last shows. I think it's the 13th show. We'll feature kind of us getting started with this. Yeah, well, we've we've uh, now uh, broadcast nine of, of 13 for, for this year for season four. And uh, I've the, the next four will, will be, be released uh, October 1. We'll, they will start on, on Wild TV. And the, the 13th one is going to have this project in it because I'm once again catching beavers through the ice and that. And we get a lot of questions about what we do with our, our fur and that. And uh, this is just one of those cool projects that really want to show people, people are never going to believe what this looks like. Yeah. 
Well, and I think it's important that that people understand that there is a use for fur at the end of the day. It's not just about killing an animal and discarding it and and there's there's nothing there, right? Oh, it, it is it is luxurious. It is uh, the ultimate as far as green technology goes. It's it's the ultimate in reusable. It does not pollute the environment. Um, Anyway, we're we're excited to be able to to, to show this stuff and uh, uh, watch for part the first part here in episode thirteen of season four, and the second part will be in in season five. Yeah, exactly. And then just for a little R and R and goofing off time, we just came back from British Columbia. Yeah, well, we practically went from going running around with the trappers, and oh, it was crazy there. We went from there to uh, to British Columbia, the province to the uh, west of us, and the Okanagan Valley is well known for its fruit. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's I've funny. Never picked a piece of fresh fruit off a tree ever in my life, and we got there during cherry season, so it was really fun. And I mean. They, it was so reasonable what it was costing. Uh, for us, anyway, it was so reasonable that the cherries were $2 a pound. But they should have weighed us before we went in and weighed us after we came out. I'm pretty sure that we weren't the only ones, though. Because <laughs> the, the, the uh, 20 pounds of cherries that we picked and took with us was, was only a fraction of what actually left the orchard. <laughs> well, and you know, it's very interesting because um, we have friends that have a home there. And they said that when they first started going down into the Okanagan Valley and and spending time there throughout the summer, that it was mostly fruit orchards. And now um, it's turned into a lot of vineyards down there. Well, there's something like 125 wineries in the Okanagan Valley. So you have all these fields and fields of grapes. And the second funny thing that's so funny about about the Okanagan is is that it is it is uh, retirement central for most of Canada. Well, for for Alberta for sure. All the old people go there to retire. So you <laughs> you have all these these uh, grapes being grown to make wine for the raisins to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sure had fun though. I mean, we um, well, we did some the, hiking. Other than the fast two. Uh, cherry two-step everybody was well, doing. that's true. Yeah, it's a good thing there was more than one bathroom in the house. <laughs> hey, there were people elbowing in the corners, man. <laughs> well, we did some hiking. Yes, we did. Um, they have uh, California bighorn there, so we got to, we uh, actually got to see a few of those. Uh, up and down the mounds, they're very different than the mounds we're used to. Yeah. Our, our mounds are quite different there. Everything's arid, semi-desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, more rocks than trees, but it was... And it's uh, hot there. Yeah, it was. It was very hot, but it was it was a nice a nice break. And now we we're just getting ready for another major event. We are going to the National Trappers Association convention in Escanaba, Michigan. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That happens. Um, it's the last weekend of July. So I think it starts on the Thursdays, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, we're going to arrive on the 25th, so we can be there right first thing in yeah, the morning Google, on the 26th. Maps tells me that it's like 1,900 or 2,000 miles from yeah. here. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's not a whole lot difference in in distance, I suppose, than where we were last year. Last year was the first time we'd gone to this convention, and it was in uh, Pecatonica, Illinois, which is just a very small little community, and it was held at the fairgrounds there, and it was a real eye-opener for you and I, because we'd never been to this before. How many people were there? you oh, know, it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. I think the most amazing part for me mm-hmm. was the uh, tailgate. 
Yeah, like, that was that cool. Is, that is a very big thing in the U.S., and it's unheard of in Canada. Pretty much. Yeah, we... I, I, didn't know that such a thing took place at trade shows and that kind of stuff, but it's very common there. And it's just, not, we just don't have that here. Well, they told us, what, as many people as there were there, they told us that it was pretty small because yeah. it was too far south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought that was really amusing for us yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this year in Escanaba, Michigan, there's supposed to be record crowds. So if anybody is interested in, in attending this, it's really... Uh, an eye-opener from a trapping perspective. It's a, it's a really great event. Yeah, we will be the people people wandering around with trapping ink t-shirts on. Yeah, yeah, you'll see us. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. We have, uh, we have some sponsors for our, our U.S. Um, uh, broadcast. We're on a uh, the Chantel Network on the East Coast and uh, on Channel 15, I believe it is. And so we have some sponsors there. We're gonna, hoping to do some podcasts with them yeah. from the NTA. Uh, we're hoping to see everybody there. It's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. It always is when a bunch of like-minded people get, get together. And trappers are pretty common, regular people. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes, without doubt. So... I think uh, we've done pretty good here for our first broadcast, our yeah. first podcast broadcast. But we do need to tell people where to find us so that they can learn more about us and and. Uh, well, first off, I guess uh, our show broadcasts in Canada on Wild TV. We're on five times a week. Impossible to miss us. We are the number one show on the channel. Uh, and, the, we, and the show's name is Trapping Inc. Exactly. And now <laughs> we are a video supplier for Amazon Prime. Which is really exciting and a relatively new development for us. Yes. Uh, if you are a member of, of Amazon Prime in the U.S., and there's 75 million of you, check us out. Just search for Trapping Inc. We have uh, all three seasons up and the first nine seasons of season four. Our first, first. nine episodes <laughs> <laughs> of season four. Yeah. Also, you can find us on our YouTube site, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash Trapping Inc. 2015. And on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash Trapping Inc. TV. And then, of course, our, where you would find our our own website is trappinginc.com. And there's our yeah. store on there and uh, links to YouTube and so on as well. So... That's it's kind right. of cool. And Facebook. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you folks. We want to know what you're looking forward to on the show, on this podcast, because we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. Uh, we've got a lot of guests lined up. We've got a lot of subjects to cover, but it might even just be me ranting some days, especially if I've been in the bush too long and Sandy's not around. <laughs> <laughs> I might tell you my favorite spam recipe or something. Oh, yeah. Spam. <laughs> Nothing like it on the trap line. Anyway, this has been fun, and I hope you come back and visit us again. We hope to do this every two weeks. Take care, folks. Bye.